0: G'day friends, welcome back. You know how no one likes the Star Wars prequels? Well, they're actually kind of good. I mean, they're not kind of... They have lots of good bits, is what I'll say. So today I am doing the top 10 things, top 10 moments from the Star Wars prequel trilogy. I say things slash moments, because some of them are more like entire scenes... Some of them are sort of, like, they're they're more powerful in hindsight. Like, you you know, 10 best things, scenes, aspects, whatever you want to say, of the prequel trilogy. And I've thrown in some honourable mentions there as well, because there was more than 10 that I wanted to mention. That's how good these movies are. I shouldn't talk them up. Two out of the three of them are mediocre. The Phantom has grown on me more in recent years. It's still just okay. Um, but yeah, they're not as bad as people think. They, like all Star Wars movies, have lots of reasons why you would watch them. And I'm going to break down some of those best reasons right now. Let's get into it. <laughs> I'm first there are three of them are you ready so in my honorable mentions i have the battle of coruscant obi-wan versus grievous in revenge of the sith and yoda versus palpatine in revenge of the sith the battle of coruscant is an amazing opening to that film like ooh, nice opening crawl reading 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 as usual pan down to a planet. Oh my god, there's a big space battle happening over the planet and we are dropped right into the middle of it. It's crazy. There's buzz droids and there's command ship and vulture droids and oh god, it's crazy. It is crazy and it looks amazing and I love that we are dropped right into the middle of it. Like, when these films came out, the Clone Wars series didn't exist yet. So there was no filling between the two films. So when you get dropped straight into the Battle of Coruscant, you've been dropped straight from the Clone Wars beginning at the end of the previous film to they are in full swing and are in fact about to climax, right? This is this is like, oh, it's so good. I don't want to talk too much about the honorable mentions. And then Obi-Wan versus Grievous, obviously a meme, goldmine hello there like obviously the hello there started in a new hope but that one where obi-wan jumps down when it's just him versus grievous and like a thousand droids by himself you're like oh what a boss move and he's just like g'day guys general kenobi That's so good and then he kills those four like assassin droids i don't know what they're called himself very easily. It's actually quite funny, and then the battle between him and Grievous is actually awesome. Like Grievous whips out his four lightsabers at once, does that like spinning thing with the you know rotating hands and like the cutting on the floor. it's it's amazing. And then you know there's the big chase scene where Obi Obi riding the 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 varactyl. varactyl that's what they're called he's riding that and then grievous has his cool little bike thing that's just a wheel that he sits inside of and then like even the end of their fight where they're on that little landing platform and he shoots oh, it's great it's great and then yoda versus palpatine really really like fan servicey type fight the fight itself is very very short especially the time they spend actually using their lightsabers I love that the reason the the lightsaber part ends so quickly is because Yoda is just that much better than Palpatine. And that's actually why in the original trilogy, Palpatine had no lightsabers. He just used the force lightning as, you know, as offense, right? Because he was like, right, Yoda has bested me so easily with a lightsaber. I need to move beyond them and just, you know, trust in the dark side of the force. I don't need these feeble weapons, you know, that. It's a cool little bit of backstory. And yeah, I just like that even though Palpatine really wins that fight, he felt like he lost, which I think is kind of cool. And it is really, really cool to see the two most hyped force users that we had seen to that point in the saga going toe to toe. Really, really cool. Okay. Number 10, where's Meldis gone? Number 10 is another Yoda fight scene. It's Yoda versus Count Dooku from Attack of the Clones. A lot of people don't like this fight because they think Yoda just looks a bit silly, jumping around, doing flips. And it is a little bit silly. It's a little bit silly, but it's also so amazing. You got to think about the context around that entire scene, right? First of all, when the film came out, you don't know it's coming there is nothing to indicate that Yoda's about to join in the fight. He doesn't participate in the in the big Jedi fight in the arena beforehand. You know, you think, oh, he's a little old guy. He doesn't really partake in the fighting anymore. Wrong. Wrong. After Dooku has dealt with Anakin and Obi-Wan, their, their fight, by the way, is not good. It's Badly shot, badly choreographed, it's not good, right? It's, it's you know, it's not great. But then the satisfaction, right? So Yoda is seen for the first time in 1980 when The Empire Strikes Back came out, right? You learn that he was this great Jedi master, all of that. He trains Luke, very old very wise, whatever, right. Come 1999, you get the Phantom Menace. Oh, here's Yoda. Cool. I know this guy, right? Here he is being the old wise Jedi, just doing just that, being old and wise. And then come Attack of the Clones, 2002. So this is now 22 years after Yoda was first seen on screen. And you still be in the old Wise Jedi. You're like, all right, this is all I think we're really going to get from him. Oh no. After Dooku has dispatched Anakin and Obi Wan in hobbles, he's such a faker. He just, with his little tiny little buddy walking stick, comes in. He's like, how about you take on someone your own size? Lol. Um, and then the they knew when they were making this, the excitement that would be in the minds and in the hearts of people who had seen or grown up with the original films. And now they're about to see Yoda fight for the first time. It's, I I bet they imagined it when like after the original films had come out, like, Oh, I wonder what Yoda was like when he was a bit younger and was actually fighting. Like I bet how, but he was fucking amazing. The music, right before yoda pulls out his lightsaber we've also never seen his lightsaber before it's so tiny and it's green and it's just perfect because dooku has just easily defeated our two heroes and now yoda's going to come in and show you where he's at in the power ranking right first you know dooku tries some force stuff he tries throwing things at him that doesn't really work so then you know We shall not be tested by our knowledge of the Force, but by our skills with the lightsaber. You know, or whatever he says, something like that. And then they fight. And when Yoda pulls out his lightsaber, he doesn't grab it. He just Force pulls it off of his belt, into his hand. And then they fight, and it's so great. And even though I did not go from growing up with the original films to seeing this then come out, like, I can still appreciate how amazing that is and would have been so that is why that is number 10 and the fight's actually not bad it is quite short but it actually like it starts with a you know a long take that goes for like feels like over five seconds it might be about 10 seconds like it's quite long give like compared to what the rest of the action in these films are sort of shot like but yeah it's really really good so it's number 10 number nine. Number nine is one of those things rather than scenes. It's a sequence of scenes. It is the... It is the tussle, the... I don't know how to describe it. The fight, but kind of not fight, I guess, between the back and forth between Obi-Wan and Jango Fett. All the way from when they meet... In Django Fett's room or apartment or whatever on Camino, all the way to the asteroid field chase. Oh, okay. So first of all, when they're talking in Django's little apartment thing, right? It is so like like the the re- the only reason they're being any kind of civil is because Bob is there, right? If he wasn't there, they just would have started fighting immediately because they both know what's going on, right? He, Obi-Wan knows he's the bounty hunter he's looking for. Django knows he's a Jedi who's there looking for him, right? He know, they both know what's happening. And, and through all the dialogue that we get, pretty much the gist of it by the end of their conversation is, let's take this outside. I'll see you in a minute, right? It's all unspoken. You know, you know, there's, I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the gut, you know, all that, right? It's all just smoke and mirrors, right? It, you know, they're all, they're both just keeping up the facade, whether or not they even believe they still need to. And they're just like, well, we're about to deal with this in one way or another. I have a feeling and it's so good. And then their fight out on the landing platform in the rain is awesome. Because you're like, oh, how could a bounty hunter possibly handle a Jedi? Quite competently, it would turn out he disarms him. And then he's got everybody tied up and hanging off the edge of a thing. And, oh, it's so good. And then once they get to... Oh, thanks, Obi. Once they get to the asteroid field, we get maybe the best sound in all of Star Wars. Not including any of the music but it might be the best sound is or Slave 1 specifically, because we've seen it again in the Mandalorian. Slave 1's seismic charges. Oh, good heavens. I don't even know how to describe in words these seismic charges. It's like they suck all of the sound and gravity they're in space not the gravity all the i don't even know mainly just the sound they suck it all out of the surrounding area because it just goes silent and then it just and the way it just it's it explodes in a disc oh it's so fucking cool some of these moments like they're not all like really nuanced or like you know big moments in the the, you know, in the history of Star Wars, some of them are just fucking cool, and the seismic charges are just fucking cool. That is all there is. And then the way that Obi-Wan, you know, gets away in the end is a nice little callback to the original trilogy. He hides on, like, the underside of an asteroid, like they they hid in the Millennium Falcon on the, on the back or the underside of a Star Destroyer, which is kind of cool. But, yeah, some of these moments are just cool, and the entire fight chase sequence between Obi-Wan and Jango Fett is great it's really really well done all right number eight the third entry in a row from Attack of the Clones believe it or not it may or may not be the last though (laughs) um is the Battle of Geonosis I mentioned it before and although it is not you know anywhere near close to what you would honestly hope for, it's still pretty bloody great. And what I'm talking about is the number of Jedi fighting with lightsabers on screen at the one time. Unfortunately, the the overall quality of the film is low, so thus this scene is not as, you know, epic as it could have been. But gee whiz, it's still pretty epic. Like, you know, it begins with, you know, the great arena setting with Obi-Wan, Anakin and Padme fighting these creatures, which are really, really great creatures, by the way. Really cool designs. Um, and, you know, you think they're fucked because there's all these Ocean warriors and they're building the Droid armies there and all that. You think they're stuffed. And then, you know, you're up in like Dooku's box. Or he's watching it from. And in comes Mace Windu. This party's over. It's not the greatest line, but it is so Sam Jackson. It's so good. Oh, and then he, you know, has a little fight with Jango. And then all these other... Oh, all the Jedi come out of the woodwork. And they're just everywhere. And you can see all the lightsabers in the background. And all the different... Oh, excuse you. I'm trying to do stuff here. You're just stretching. Okay. You can see them all in the background and all the different tiers of the arena. And then they all are down in the bottom of the arena and they have a big battle and there are dozens and dozens of Jedi and they're all fighting the battle droids. and Oh, it's so cool. This is another one of those moments that's just fucking cool and there's nothing else I can say about it apart from that. Okay. Number seven. This one's an interesting one because this one... When you watch it for the first time, it's not, it doesn't really mean anything. But then on rewatches, when you know the meaning behind it, what it, you know, symbolizes, what it is the last of, it is so much more powerful. And it is when, in Revenge of the Sith, at the end of the second act... Not even it's not even the end of the second, it's like almost right in the middle of the film where Obi-Wan is going off to get Grievous. So him and Anakin are doing they got different tasks. And Obi Wan says, Goodbye, old friend, may the force be with you. It is the last words that they share as friends before all the other shit goes down a lot goes down between that moment and the next time they see each other. A lot goes down, and it can children, right? And when you first see it, you don't know it's going to be the last time they see each other, and you just think he's saying goodbye. But on all the rewatches, the way he says it, and unfortunately the films aren't able, or weren't able, I should say, to really build on their relationship enough but once you've watched once you've watched clone wars and then you watch this scene again it has so much more impact because i mean ewan mcgregor's acting is very very good he really looks at him like he's a dear friend like a brother right He, he he's not it's not master and apprentice anymore It's just not. They are brothers. They love each other, right? And he conveys that in the way he delivers this line. And it's really important. And it's bloody heartbreaking. So that's why it's here at number seven. Because it's bloody heartbreaking. All right, number six. Number six is one that I don't think many people would even consider or be aware of. So this scene has a name and it has a song attached to it as well. Both are called Padme's Ruminations. Now, if you don't know where this takes place in the films, I wouldn't blame you, but it is in Revenge of the Sith, and it is right before Anakin turns to the dark side and saves Palpatine from Mace Windu. It's right before that. It is as Mace Windu and the other Jedi are going to arrest Palpatine and Anakin has been told to wait in the council chambers right and in this entire trilogy is a little bit plagued with bad dialogue or overuse of dialogue and you know just generally poor writing is the biggest problem. The reason this scene is one of the best in the trilogy one of the best in The entire saga dare I say like it's it's you know not up there up there in the entire saga but it's worth mentioning is the fact that there's no dialogue at all it's just nicely shot with powerful music and good acting all it is is Padme in her loft her apartment thing in her building looking out the window towards the Jedi Temple. Anakin looking back from the window of the council chamber, back across the city at her building, right? The only dialogue in the scene is a, like a memory or a message being sent to Anakin by Palpatine, just reminding him that if anything happens to him, he won't be able to save Padme. Just a little reminder. Um, But then all it is is just silence. And it's Hayden Christensen looking out a window and Natalie Portman looking out a window, both looking sad. But the way it is put together is so bloody good. It's like they both... I mean, Anakin knows... Oh, it's so good. The more I think about it, fuck, it's so good. Anakin has already made the decision right? Because he, the only non-negotiable for him is Padme, right? He's going to save her no matter what. So he's already made the decision to go and stop them from arresting Palpatine, right? It's already been decided in his head, you can tell, because he's crying, right? He is standing there trying to not, he's, he's trying to decide not to do it, right? It's already happening, He has to now try and think of a way to make himself not do it, but he can't, right? He knows what is about to come, right? And Padme, though not Force-sensitive, I think can feel also what is about to unfold. They have this connection across the city and... Whether the other knows that they're looking out of a window at each other, don't know. But they both have a feeling of what is to come. Anakin knows, but you can tell in the way that Padme's looking out the window, she's like, she's sad. So she can, she can feel this impending darkness that is coming. It's, it's really, really well put together and it 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 like revenge of the sith is one of the best star wars films it's well it is leagues better than attack of the clones and phantom menace but even this scene feels like it's plucked out of a much better movie it's it's that good it's that good okay into the top 5 now number 5 our first entry From Phantom Menace, it's the pod racing scene. Now this is pod racing, right? You might think, oh fuck, what's he getting into Phantom Menace for? It's shit, it is not. Don't you, you shut your mouth, right? The pod racing scene is one of the best racing scenes in a non-racing movie that there's ever been, right? Obviously the racing scenes in like your Fast and Furious or, you know, like, um, oh, what's the one about the car racer and the other car racer? I forget, but you know, there are movies about racing that, oh, wasn't thinking of this, but Ford versus Ferrari, but you know, that there are movies about racing that obviously have some of the best racing scenes ever. This is a fucking Star Wars movie and this pod racing sequence shows why George Lucas was still an excellent, excellent director. Like he's not good at dialogue and he's not really good with actors, but he knows how to shoot action. Boy, does he what, right? This pod racing scene is way better than it really needed to be. It could have been quite simple. All it is, is Anakin needs to win so that he can be free, and go with the Jedi to become a Jedi, right? That's all, it's the only point of its existence, right? But Lucas made it into one of the best set pieces in the entire saga, right? The reason it's so good is it's not just you watching a race. The race is constructed and filmed and edited so well. It makes it so much more captivating and exciting to watch the way it's done. Almost all... Of the camera angles, are from the same level as the pod races, right? Like it's it's all either POV or the cameras are at the same level as the actual race, right? So you can feel how fast they're going. Though it is through a CGI landscape, you can feel the speed and you can feel the danger, right? Another reason that it's amazing. So it's a three-lap race, right? Pretty standard, nothing too crazy about that. But the three laps, it's like, you know, it's like a little story in this story. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end, right? And you see every lap in full, right? And you see all these little landmarks on the track, so that by the time you get to the last lap where everything is on the line, you know exactly how long there is to go, right? So like they start the lap, they go into like this canyon, then into like this monument valley type thing, and then through a cave, and then another canyon, and then these salt flats, and then they're back at the start. It's kind of like that, it's pretty similar. So that by the time you get to the third lap, you know that all. They've just gone through the cave, so there's only a little bit left to go. They've got to do the salt flats, and that's you know, it's like that, and it's so smart. You don't even need to be thinking about it to know that when you get to that third lap, like you're aware of the increasing time pressure, and, and it's and it's done really well. Like the fact that Anakin starts off with a handicap, right? He's his pod racer won't start at the start of the race so he starts with like a 30 second you know gap he's, he's like, he has to catch up to the entire main group of racers and then to the leaders right? so you're watching him go through that so by the time he gets to the third lap he's just caught up to Sebulba who's at the very front and they spend most of the last lap just jostling and you know fucking with each other trying to get in front And that is exciting enough, but you also know how long there is left in the race, so the excitement grows as you go past each landmark. It's so well done. It's a really, really, really underrated sequence in a relatively underrated film. I won't say it's really, really, really underrated, but it's a little bit underrated, right? I love the pod racing sequence. There's a video... I tried to find it earlier today, but I couldn't. There's a video somewhere out there on YouTube that breaks it down superbly, and I couldn't find it today. I was really upset because I wanted to watch it again. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, like this guy, he goes into all the different camera techniques and you know how different things make you feel, different ways at different parts of the race, and it's a it's a really good video. And you know, it better articulates what I was just trying to say than I just did. <laughs> Okay, all right, number four. Number four is the scene at the opera in Revenge of the Sith. Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? It's it's that scene, right? It's the scene where Palpatine, like, sets everything in motion. Everything has already been planned, don't get me wrong, but this is the scene where he like this conversation? He's put everything into this conversation, and it going right. right? This conversation is where he turns Anakin to the dark side, just not yet. Right? You know, he he knows Anakin very well, so he's talking about how he went, what the the trauma he went through losing his mother. She was taken by the Tuscan Raiders and then she, her dying. And, you know, he talks about he knows of this great Sith Lord who could save people from death. And, and Ian McDermott's acting as he's talking about Plagueis and how, you know, his apprentice and how his apprentice killed him in his sleep and all of this. It's so well delivered and it's so manipulative. You can see... Every like Anakin is hanging off every single word. Palpatine knows he's got him wrapped around his finger, and he's uh, he he manipulates his delivery of the story to to even more like hook Anakin in. If that makes sense, it's so so bloody good. And, and the way he's sowing the seeds of doubt in anakin's mind about what the jedi really want to do as he's talking about how great how great how great the sith are and and when he's talking about oh he could even influence the midi-chlorians to create life and as he says of life he looks right at anakin like that's you my boy (laughs) it's so good And then the most delicious part at the very end is ironic. He could save others from death, but not himself and the fucking grin the dirty smug evil grin across his face like I'm so good I killed the greatest Sith ever, now I'm the greatest Sith ever because he taught me too many things so I fucking shut no It's so, so, the acting is so good. I can't say enough how good it is. Ian McDermott's face is sensational. Oh, it's so good. And even Hayden Christensen in this scene is really, really good because although he doesn't have a whole lot to do, he doesn't have a lot of dialogue, like he has to convey like this lost man who's like, finally found some answers he's like well what happened to him oh really can i where can i learn that like it's it's really good but fuck aian mcdermott carries everything it, oh. even when you like watching the film as an audience member as a you know as a viewer you are hanging off every word he's saying because it's you know it's so interesting the first time you watch it so good. Okay. Top three now. Top three. This is heavy shit we're getting into now. Number three makes me very, very sad, but it's Order 66. Order 66 is a very, very brave sequence to put to film. Let's be real. Like, everyone knows how Revenge of the Sith is going to end, right? Anakin's going to become Vader... And we're going to have the Empire and all the Jedi are going to be gone or whatever. But we don't know how. We don't know how. We don't know that all of the clone troopers are going to turn on them. And they'll be so helpless that they're all just going to get slaughtered. And there's going to be nothing anyone can do about it. Fuck me. That's depressing. And the way it's done in the film is so... Like they don't like apart from not getting too just like depressing for being depressing sake. Like it's it was you know it's still a PG film. They can't you know show too much death and chaos. Like they can't show Anakin killing those kids as much as I'd love to see it. Um, they can't show that, but they still really lean into the darkness that it is. The music, the the Order sixty six theme i think it has another name i forget it's so good it is so sad even when it comes up again in jedi fallen order in the game and you experience it from a padawan's point of view it's equally as sad all over again in in revenge of the sith you are trying to come to terms with what's happening as it's happening as you're watching it you're like fuck these like like, it, it cuts from, it cuts through, you know, Plo Koon and ki mundi and all all these Jedi that we kind of know, but not really, all being killed. And, you know, the music's really, really sad and, like, the look on their faces as they're being killed by these troopers that they've created bonds with. They're their friends, right? They care about them. The, the Plo Koon one is especially sad once you've seen Clone Wars because there's this... Very, very early in season one, I think it is. There's this scene where Plo Koon and a few of his troopers look like they're about to die. And the troopers are like, yeah, you know, we, we understand that we're probably going to die. We're expendable. And he says, not to me. And you're like, oh, fuck, these dudes are going to kill him in like two years time. It's so sad. Oh, And then at the, at the end, when before he cuts off his own troopers' heads like it's nothing, by the way. But the way Yoda drops his cane and grabs at his heart, like he's the moral center of the entire Jedi order. And he's just felt it all just gone like that in the blink of an eye through the execution of a brilliant plan by a a Sith Lord that was hiding right under their noses. Like he would feel so guilty For allowing this to happen but you know he was so helpless like he couldn't have known and uh, it's 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 on par it's hard to say it's on par with this thing because this is a pretty good movie as well but in avengers infinity war when the snap happens spoiler warning i suppose (laughs) um and thanos is Victorious, and he snaps away so many of the characters. You're like, shit, like you're watching all these characters you really love just go, and there's nothing you or anyone else can do about it. This is the same, except these guys aren't coming back, right? It's, it's for a kids franchise, which is really what it is, it's a bold move, and I love it. I love Order 66 because I hate it. If that makes any sense, it makes me so sad. Okay, top two. Number two on the list is something that a lot of people would have in number one. It is the Jewel of the Fate scene. It is Maul versus Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. The best, probably, probably the best lightsaber fight in star wars i would say it's the best choreographed for sure ray park the genius the martial arts genius as darth maul does amazing work with this lightsaber like like start from the beginning of it right more we know the Maul character before this point likely we've seen him a couple other times in the film he's barely said anything And he shows up here right at the end. You're like, oh, fuck yeah, this is going to be great. But up until this point, we've only seen one side of his lightsaber, right? He's standing in that doorway, lights, puts his, puts his lightsaber out in front of him and he's, you know, fighting stance. Lights one side and then he lights the other. Again, I wish I had been old enough to have seen this in the cinema and understood what was happening. Everyone would have gone crazy. No one had ever seen a two-sided lightsaber before. I bet no one had even thought of that. Like, think about like swords, like medieval swords. You don't see swords that have two ends both coming out of the bloody handle, right? You don't see that. No one would have thought this is going to happen. And the Jewel of the Fates theme that accompanies this. Oh, my sweet Christ. It is amazing. It's so perfect. It's so epic. Ha-ha. Ha-ha. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that's That's so embarrassing. I'm glad I did that. Though. Um, oh, it's so great. Just... And it's great to see a fight that they put a lot of effort into. Like I said before, the choreography of this fight, which, mind you, is like made twice as difficult by the fact that you've got two fighting one, which is, I bet, where they decided they had to have him have a two-ended lightsaber, so they could have this two-versus-one battle. Otherwise, it'd be really, really hard to choreograph this well. Um... But yeah, just, it's, every hit felt like, felt like it was real. I don't know, like, there's something about that fight. It just feels really legitimate and serious. There's more as this mysterious character that we don't know a lot about. But like, gee, you know, we know that the Sith haven't been around for a thousand years or whatever. Now this dude shows up. And then the bit at the end where they are all divided by the, you know, the ray shield doors, whatever, and the different things they all do. The way that Qui-Gon sits and meditates while Maul stalks him like a predator. Like, it's so well done. I'm sure there's another video out there somewhere breaking down that fight and how sensational it is. You should go find it if there is. But, oh, like, from what I've heard and what I've, like, I've watched videos and stuff, when the film came out, people were disappointed, except for this last scene. When a movie ends this strongly, it, it elevates itself. Even if the rest of it can be shit, it elevates itself, Right? Rogue One's a little bit of a different story, because Rogue One is good already, but to have that Darth Vader hallway scene at the end takes it to another level, and this is very, very much the same. One of the best, if not the best, lightsaber fight in all of Star Wars. I'd really have to sit, maybe that's another video I'll do one day, top 10 lightsaber fights, I don't know. I'd really have to think about it, but gee, it's, it's definitely got to be considered, and so does... Number one on this list. Number one best moment, scene, thing in the prequel trilogy is Obi-Wan versus Anakin. Obviously it had to be this, the battle of the heroes. Where do I begin? The emotion, the emotional stakes of this, the the build-up to it, the everything that's happened since they last spoke, like I said earlier, it's a goodbye old friend, may the force be with you. And then they, they come back together again and Anakin's a completely different person. And Obi-Wan is, Obi-Wan is the greatest Jedi of all time. Fight me, try and convince me. Otherwise you're wrong, right? He knows that he has to kill Anakin. He knows what he has to do. It's going to, Break him, right? And it does break him, right? But you know, right at the start of the fight, he said, "I will do what I must." He, you know, he he, oh, he knows what's just happened. He's he's been to the temple with Yoda. They know most, if not all, of the other Jedi are gone. He knows what Anakin did at the temple, and he knows what he has to do. And the the real Outpouring of emotion doesn't come until the very end of the fight, but, you know, after he's won, after he's cut all of Anakin's arms and legs off, you're just looking at him as he's trying to claw his way up that bloody riverbank. So you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. It's, oh, if you're not even a little bit moved by that, you're going to take a long, hard look at yourself. You were my brother, It's like, did you even think about me while you were doing all of this? While you were completely changing, while you were undoing all the good that we had done together for a decade and a half. Like, and and, uh, it's it's interesting that he just leaves him there. I don't think it's cruel. I mean, it is cruel because he doesn't know that he's going to get saved and he's going to survive. He, he leaves him there thinking he's going to die. It's because I don't think he can land that killing blow. He can't, like, you know, stab him again with a lightsaber or cut off his head with a lightsaber or whatever. He can't do it. Right? And that idea is something that I think runs through the entire battle. When I was a little bit younger, I used to think this fight was actually not that good. Because if you watch the choreography closely, a lot of the time, it doesn't look like they're actually trying to hit each other. It looks like they're trying to hit the other person's lightsaber. I thought, oh, that's not great. It's kind of lazy choreography. Whatever. And I thought about it some more, and I thought, that totally makes sense. These two love each other, even though Anakin is a different person now. He's still, you know, there's still Anakin deep inside there somewhere. And he doesn't want to hurt Obi-Wan the same as Obi-Wan doesn't want to hurt him. But they have to because things have changed, right? Anakin is now Darth Vader and his job is to kill the Jedi. And even if he really believes that, you know, the Jedi were trying to betray the Republic, Obi-Wan's a different story. It would have been the same if he'd come across Ahsoka during Order 66. It would have been a different story. And... Yeah, so I kind of like... If if that was done deliberately, if not, then yeah, it's bad choreography. But if it was done deliberately, I really, really appreciate that little... That little sort of idea in there. And, you know, apart from all that, again, this is another fight that is accompanied by amazing music. Amazing. Like... The prequel trilogy is not the best, I've said that. But this is where John Williams did some of his best Star Wars work. The music in the prequel trilogy is outstanding. Every theme is perfect. Every theme goes perfectly with the scene that's paired with. It's all excellent. And, you know, I think... I don't know if this is still true, but when this came out, this is the longest continuous one-on-one fight that I think had ever been put to screen. I think their fight, it goes for like, it's like 15 minutes or something. It goes for ages. It's like they fight through, you know, they're outside that building and then they're inside that building and then they fight for ages inside the building and then they end up outside... On those bloody walkway things, and then the walkway things get turned off and they fall into the lava river, and then they're fighting on that in the lava river, and then, oh, it goes on and on and on. And every, every little bit, like as it changes from one bit to another, like the action doesn't let up. It's a really, really entertaining fight scene, and even though you, I mean, you kind of I guess you kind of don't know the result watching it for the first time because. I mean, you know that both Vader and Obi-Wan are alive. You don't know why Vader is all asme the way he is, why he's all robotic um, until you see the end of this fight. So I guess you kind of don't know the result, but you also kind of do. But either way, it is still hugely entertaining, as is the entirety of the prequel trilogy. It is not amazing by any means. It can't really hold a candle To the original trilogy, but it has merit—a lot of it. It's got a lot of great moments that I've just gone through, and I think you should think twice before shitting all over the prequels. That is all I'll say. All right, thanks so much for listening, guys. This turned out to be a bit of a long one. That's all right. Um, Hope you're all doing well wherever you are. Remember to like. the podcast and follow it and subscribe and all that leave comments leave reviews if you like my stuff tell your friends i really appreciate it and i'll catch you guys next time bye